I had the honor of speaking at that funeral yesterday, and let me give you a little bit of uh, context as to who it was. Um, a while back, we had a guy who was drumming for us. He was part of our rotation, and his name was Kevin. And um, Kevin's brother is the one who passed away at 35 years of age. Um, Kevin's wife is Lucita's sister. And um, it, was a, it was the kind of occasion where you just see God's hand all over it, um, although this was not a, what we would consider to be a church funeral. Um, room was filled with a lot of people who, who don't know Jesus yet. And um, what I'd like to do before I get going this morning is just lift that family up. And I ask that you would do that with me because their faces are still fresh in my mind uh, from that time yesterday. So we pray with me. Father, we do want to lift up this morning the Bresnahan family and um, ask that you would bring comfort to Kevin, to their dad, Kevin Sr., to the whole family, to that whole group that was there yesterday. And um, I ask, Father, first that you would speak to each one of them as they were able to hear some words of hope and encouragement yesterday. I pray that they would take that and internalize it and act on it and that they would seek you, that every single one that was there would seek you. And I ask, Father, that you would help us as a church to realize that there are funerals like that happening every day all around us. And that wherever we have the opportunity to speak hope into people's lives, especially those who are grieving without hope, I ask that you would give us the courage to speak hope into those lives, into those situations. Use us, Father, to bring comfort into people's lives. Thank you for being there. Thank you for speaking and moving, for being evident in that place. Thank you for the transforming work that you do in our lives. And as we look at that this morning, I ask that you would just guide us into, into that process that daily we would be surrendering ourselves up to you and asking that you would become more and more complete in us. So I ask that during this time right now, Lord, you would fill us, that your spirit would come and fill this place in each one of our lives and that we would take a step towards the image in which you've created us today. Thank you for the time that you've given us together. We give it back to you and ask for you to be in it and through it and all over it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, one more thing that I need to get out of the way before I get going here. And I just, this is stupid that I have to do these kinds of things. So bear with me. Um, it, it, and, and this is simply based on this. People that start rumors need to get a hobby. They need to find something to do with their time rather than starting rumors, okay? So it's come to my attention that from somewhere outside of this church, a rumor has reached people inside this church that I'm going to resign. So can I just make it clear that's not happening? Okay, just, just lay it to rest if someone comes to you with that. If someone has already come to you with that, will you go back to them and say, you were wrong? You do that, okay? And if, if you've heard it and you've told somebody else, will you go to that person and say, I was wrong? 
um, just knock it off. Just whatever this is, just, just stop it. If it gets to you, just stop it. That's absolutely ridiculous. I'm not going anywhere. Um, I'm having far too much fun. And, <laughs> and you people are a lot of work, and I'm not done. So... <laughs> Sorry, that was just for the Packers fans. <laughs> All right. Before we get into the word this morning and a new series of messages, I want to tell you about a, a partnership that, that is developing between us and an organization called Transform Minnesota. Uh, Transforms an organization that's creating a network of churches in our state where leaders engage complex issues from a biblical perspective. And that is a mouth, mouthful, but this is not just what they say, this is what they do. Uh, several years ago, I received a mailing from them that interested me, and I started going to the events that they put on to better equip church leaders in our area. And this is like continuing education for me. Um, I have grown so much because of the teaching that I've received through Transform events. Um, along the way, one of our members, Becky Hessness, took a job with Transform. And through that, we've deepened our connection with Transform that's led to Chapel Hill hosting events for them. Um, last month, we hosted their staff Christmas gathering. And now we're going to be hosting one of their equipping events for church leaders. Transform is involved in a lot of different ministries, and let me tell you briefly about some of what they do. Here are some of the ministries in their network that are a part of Transform Minnesota. One of them is Arrive Ministries. Um, this is one of their affiliate ministries. Arrive is focused on helping refugees get settled here in Minnesota. Um, as a church, we've adopted a family in the past, and we've provided support for that refugee family. My wife and I worked with Arrive years ago, helping with translation work and coming alongside a Haitian refugee family. New Life Family Services is an affiliate ministry of Transform. They provide adoption and pregnancy services, and we worked with New Life in the process of adopting our youngest son, Asher. Damascus Way is another affiliate ministry. Damascus Way works with men who have been through the prison system and helps them transition back into a healthy life. Very effective ministry. When I got out of jail, I, I'm just kidding, that did not happen. <laughs> but here I'm involved with all these other ones. I'm like, how, there has to be a connection with Damascus. <laughs> all right, besides these affiliate ministries... Transform creates gatherings of church leaders designed to face the challenges of issues like racism and sexuality and a whole host of others. And this is where I've been most involved recently. Some of this has really helped me prepare for the series of messages that we're starting today and that we're going to be working through in the months ahead. That's some background for you on Transform Minnesota and who they are. Now, coming up on Thursday, February 13th, we're going to be hosting an event that fe features Rachel Gilson. Um, Rachel has an incredible story about how she met Jesus and the impact that he had on her, specifically in the area of sexual identity, which is obviously a big topic in our world right now. Transform has put on a series of equipping events around this subject. They call them Holy Sexuality, and I have grown tremendously through those trainings. You are invited to join the church leaders for that training. Now, it's a Thursday morning, so of course it's understandable if you can't make it, but at least please be in prayer for this event. I believe that God is really working through Transform in this way. It is quite an organization, and I'm proud to be a part of it. All right, on to this morning's message. 
I want you to know that I am really excited about the series that we're starting today and what I'm seeing as we work ahead in the future. This is about our vision to move this generation from culture to kingdom. We're going to look at what it means to follow our leader, which is what I referenced last week, to follow Jesus as he shows us how he moved people, he moved this generation from culture to kingdom. And once again, we weren't left to figure this out on our own. Having been created in his image and living in the process of being transformed more and more to be like him, this is going to be a very practical way for us to embrace the calling that God has placed on our lives, to be transformed. Um, Our vision is something that applies to our lives and to the impact that we have on the lives of those that we interact with in our world. And you're going to see how that works as we go. This morning we'll work with a basic process that I've created that I think is going to apply to each message in some way as we work through this series. Um, In learning how to move from culture to kingdom, we'll identify an area of influence first. We'll acknowledge the influence of culture. We'll compare that with the influence of God's kingdom and then take steps from culture to kingdom. And I'll show you what this looks like as we go So let's just jump in. The area in our lives that we're going to focus on this morning is our image. This is something that's important to us and for many, something that we invest a lot in. Our image is our personal brand and it's important to us. Our image has to do with the way we project ourselves. And I really don't need to say much about this because I I think we all know what we're talking about when I refer to our image There are multiple dimensions to the image that we concern ourselves with. We want to present a successful image of ourselves. That's important. We want to present financial success. An image of someone who is well off financially is attractive to others. We want to present vocational success. Being able to state what we do for a living with great pride presents a successful image. Fashion success. You would love me more if I dressed like Cam Newton every Sunday. We want to present social success. The people that we hang out with can have a positive or negative impact on our image. Educational success. The college, university that we attended makes a statement about our image. We want to present accomplishment success. What have we done or accomplished in our lives? Where have we been? What adventures have we had? Intellectual success. What does it do to a person's image to win Jeopardy's greatest of all time competition? Family success. We want people to be impressed with what our kids have accomplished, where they go to school, what sports they play, and on that goes. We want to present physical success, and I'm talking about our physique. My pecs say something about my image. Accommodation success. Of course, my house contributes to my image, yet another image component that I'm not succeeding at. All of this feeds our desire for people to see the best version of me that we can present. We ourselves look up to people who are successful, and we want people to look up to us as people who are successful. All these factors and more give us the potential to have people see our image and be impressed. So does culture have any influence on this? (laughs) 
Well, that's what's known as a stupid question. Of course it does. Of course it does. Culture's influence on our image is obvious. Advertising covers everything that I just talked about and much, much more. And we can't deny the fact that image is very culture-specific. Some of the things that we just talked about mean absolutely nothing to people in some other cultures. Maybe image somewhere has to do with possessions like livestock. Maybe image is sought after in the length of your neck or the smallness of your feet, both true in other cultures. Maybe it's a completely different definition of body image. Maybe an impressive image consists of being able to sit around and do nothing all day. Regardless, culture influences image. And don't get me wrong, some of that influence is good. For example, our culture reminds me of the importance of taking care of my body. That's good. I'm not obsessed with sculpting my abs, obviously, but I have more ways to take care of myself because of my culture, and so that's good. But the question that I want to explore with you today is not about judging our culture. It's about examining our desire. What do we want What do we want? Well, I believe that we want to be significant. I believe that every single human on the planet has in them a legitimate desire for significance. We need to feel valued. We need to feel affirmation. We need to feel acceptance. We need to have other people look at us and be impressed. And I don't believe that that need is wrong. But you'll see as we go how I think we've, we've misdirected the meeting of that need. Having that need for significance, we set out to find it and the battle begins. Where will satisfaction of that need come from? Culture tells us that our image can accomplish the meeting of that need. The impression that we make on people will lead us to their acceptance, affirmation, and to us feeling significant, and to a degree, it can. We could possibly get an earthly, temporal version of the acceptance and affirmation that we're looking for. And so I'm not discounting the power, the impact of a good image, but I'm not going to promote it either, because I have something much better, much more valuable to talk to you about. The message is is not going to be as simple as what I've heard before. Uh, As a teenager and a young adult, I, I really struggled with my quest for significance. I wanted to be accepted and affirmed, and I I didn't feel like I was. Um, Believe it or not, I even took a shot at improving my image through my wardrobe, and I can only laugh at what happened. Um, I'll tell you about it. I was was making more money than I had ever made, and I decided it was time to reinvent myself. And so I took my money, and I went on a shopping spree. And at that time, I worked a job that had me traveling a lot, and having just bought a whole new wardrobe, I decided to take it on my business trip and debut my new image in Winnipeg, Canada, which is where you go for that sort of thing. And so I packed packed my bags, and I headed for the airport, and I stopped at my office to pick up what I'd need for the trip, and while I was in the office, someone broke into my car and stole all my luggage. 
And that was the end of that image. <laughs> now, during that time in my life, I was given plenty of advice regarding my sense of self-worth and where I should be seeking significance. I was given a bit of truth that I already knew, but I was having a hard time actually embracing. And you may be able to predict what that bit of truth was. I was told that true significance is found in God's acceptance and affirmation, not man's. Well, of course that's true. It is. God has stated many, many times the value that he sees in us. We are significant. Statement of fact. Not because of the image we create for ourselves, but because of the value that God sees in us and has placed in us. This is true. And we'd be a whole lot more content if we actually believed what God says about us. We are God's beloved creation. As his church, we are a royal priesthood, a chosen people. We're joint heirs with Jesus. We're adopted sons and daughters of the King of Kings. There is no denying our significance. You and I have extreme worth in God's eyes. And if we could just see ourselves through his eyes, our lives would be so much more peaceful, joyful, and meaningful. So why do you get the sense that I'm not done with my message at this point? You know something's up. You're not packing up your Bibles and putting your coats on. The ushers haven't moved into place. They may be a little confused, but it is not their time yet. It's safe to say that all or nearly all of us already know this truth. It's also safe to say that many of us, or I, I can say nearly all again, many of us don't truly embrace this and find ourselves still working hard at establishing an impressive image for the world around us. I still struggle with this. And I figure I probably always will during my life here on earth. And so once again, I'm going to let you in on my struggle and show you something that I've been absorbing along these lines. I have not mastered this. I still put far too much weight in my image and whether or not people will accept and approve of that image. Something in me still believes that my significance will be found in the opinion that people have of me and the image I create and that thing in me is wrong. I want to take the remainder of our time together this morning to invite you into my own line of questioning. And this is it in a nutshell. Should I spend my life creating an image for myself or should I spend it carrying out my calling and identity as an image bearer? And again, we all know what the answer to that question is. So wrestle with me for a little bit here. This, this what I'm about to read should make a difference for me. This is from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 
So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female. He created them. And let me clear up one thing right away because I know this is a point of tension for some. In verse 26 and 27, we see the word man. Let us make man. God created man. Please understand that the word used here that's translated man is a generic term for humankind. It does not state that God only created males in his image, as is clarified at the end of verse 27. Male and female, he created them in his own image. You and I were created in in the image of God. Now that in itself gives us immense significance. But I'm still not done. There's something that I want to fully embrace about all this. Something that will directly impact the energy that I pour into creating and maintaining my image. What does that mean that I was created in God's image? Obviously, I I don't live just like Jesus did. I just may fall a tiny bit short. Well, here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing that I was created in the image of God to reflect that image. I'm not a clone, but I am an image bearer. At the core of who I am, you'll find God's image. All the work that I put into creating my image is done to create the best image of me that I can project. I've even leveraged religion for the sake of my image. (laughs) At times I've been seen as the religious one, and, and I was proud of that. At times it made me more interesting. Still, this is certainly not what I mean by being an image bearer. What do I want people to see when they look at me? The best version of me that I can create? Or something, someone different altogether? And what scares me here is just how much effort I put into the first one. I want people to see the best version of me possible because I want them to accept me and and affirm me. This is not just about getting people to accept and affirm the best version of us. This is about getting people to accept Jesus and to affirm who Jesus is. This is about drawing people into the image that is in us. Not to the image that we've created, no matter how impressive our image may be. In a world that is now obsessed with earthly things, this is not about getting people to like another earthly thing, our image. I want you to think about this. If we evaluate the image of Jesus using our earthly cultural metrics... Just how well do you think he'd do? He declared openly to a scribe that he had no place to lay his head. So much for his image, he had no house. Jesus hung out with the wrong people like tax collectors and prostitutes. He was described by the prophet Isaiah as despised and rejected. That can't help his image. 
It was even said of him that there was nothing about his appearance that would make us desire him. And so in so many ways, Jesus has demolished the formula for what makes an impressive image. Yet his is the image that we bear. Here's some reality about my own image and yours. My image, based on the earthly things that I talked about at the beginning is guaranteed to let me down. Daily I have to fight to overcome the shame that my image creates in me. I will never be impressive enough. I will never create for myself an image that impresses people so much that I will eternally feel significant. I will never have the best image. It will always let me down. Therefore, happily and willingly, I give up. Now, I'm not going to stop taking care of myself. That's not what I'm saying. Um, I even turned over a new leaf recently in my dental practices. I hadn't seen a dentist in 17 years. I'm serious. (laughs) Now I see one on a regular basis. Some of you will be very impressed with me for that. And by the way, after those 17 years, um, not one cavity. Yeah, that's right. See, I'm looking for you to accept and affirm my dentist image. (laughs) Got it all wrong. Listen, why would I work without hope to create an image that can never deliver? Why would I obsess over an image that is temporal when I've been created in an image that's eternal? Why would I worry so much about what people think of the outside when I have an image on the inside that far surpasses any image that could ever be created on the outside? Seems like a bit of a waste of time. And this isn't simply about giving up on the outside. It's about embracing the inside, the image of God. When people look at me, I want them to be impressed with God. Not me, God. God will never let them down. Rather than working hard to show people an image that's weak and vulnerable, even at its best, why wouldn't I work to show them the image in me that has the limitless strength and is vulnerable to nothing? This is more than just finding significance in God. It's about others finding God in me. It's about me wanting to present them with the hope that they're looking for. Not some halfway impressive version of me. I want to show them God. I want them to be impressed with God. And the only way this happens is if God becomes the engine inside me that powers every part of me and because of that becomes visible to the world through me. I have a son who's obsessed with Tesla's, the car. He and my wife have a competition going. 
in a given day as we're out and about, will Kim spot more eagles or will my son spot more Teslas? Now, when I used to see a Tesla, I will admit I was just not that impressed. They look kind of like a few dozen other kinds of cars. Four doors, simple design, nothing special. Now I actually try to spot the Tesla before my son does. Why? Because of what's inside those cars. Their engines are so impressive. Um, I had a Tesla next to me at a light the other day, and it took off like a rocket, silently. Couldn't hear it go. It just took off. How can a battery make a car that powerful? Now, do you get my point? Church, I want people to be impressed with what's inside us. I want us to put our energy and effort into helping people be impressed with God, not just our image. There is an awful lot more that I can say about this, and it's going to come up in the future as we go through this series, but I want to end here this morning with some practical steps because this isn't an idea, this isn't a concept that we accept or, or reject. This is our real lives. We bear the image of God. That's our identity. Never mind the identity that we create with our images. Those are barely good enough to be called pathetic in comparison to the image in which we were created. So far we have identified something to wrestle with, image or image bearer. We've looked at culture's influence, easy to do for this topic. We've looked at the kingdom's influence, how how we are to live as image bearers. Now let's look at something that we can do to help us embrace this reality and move ourselves from culture to kingdom. We need a strategy. Something concrete that we can do to move from culture to kingdom in this area. How do we become fully engaged as image bearers rather than just allowing the culture to drive us as image creators? Two concrete things come to mind. Pray and plan. Pray and plan. Pray. Pray for the filling of God's spirit in your life constantly. The Spirit is the engine that creates what's so special about us. The Spirit will cause people to see God in us. Invite the Spirit to come in and fill you to the point of shining through you. Paul instructed us to be being filled constantly. That's ongoing all the time. That's a prayer that we never stop praying There is another strategic prayer that we need to pray, and this one caught me off guard a little bit. It's the prayer of confession. If we don't confess our mistakes and shortcomings to God, we become less and less aware of them and more and more impressed with our own image. Pray through the things that you do wrong. All of them. You may be more discouraged with your image, but you're going to be a whole lot more impressed with God's. Secondly, plan. Plan strategically. 
plan to be more like what the Spirit is producing in you. Think about Galatians 5.22, plan to be loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and self-controlled. These are things the Spirit produces in us, but we're also being asked to practice those things. Plan to worship through song, through word, through service, through generosity, and more. That puts God on the throne and not our image. Plan to grow in your understanding of the image of God, the likeness of Jesus. What is he like? That impacts the way that we plan to present ourselves. Image or image bearer? What's it going to be? What's your identity, really? The redemptive work of Jesus does in us As we follow him, that work that he does is designed to draw out God's image in us and eliminate the need for us to create our own image. Let him be the thing about us that impresses people. Culture will push us to develop that image. Let God in us, invite God in us to develop his image. Created In the image of God, Chapel Hill Church, we are image bearers. I'm going to invite the ushers to come now and the worship team as well. Let's pray for a moment. Father, I speak on, I think, all of our behalf this morning in asking that you forgive us for those times when we have put our image above yours in our lives. I pray that you would do that work in us that you're looking to do that needs to be done where we fully embrace our identity as image bearers and let go of our job of creating an image for ourselves. I ask that you would open our eyes to this truth. I ask that it would become real. This this would be something that we see because we're praying for it. We're, We're asking for you to fill us for your image to grow in us, for your spirit to become the engine that drives everything about us so that when people look at us, they see what's on the inside. They see your image. I ask that you would meet us in our personal struggles to do this, in our quest for significance. I ask that you would do this in the way that we present ourselves to others. Where far too often, the, the last thing we mention is that we're followers of Jesus and not the first thing that we mention and that we don't put that image first. We don't put your image first. So help us with that. Help us to realize that what the world around us needs is you, not us. So God, keep shaping us. Keep working on us. We ask for freedom from culture's influence And we surrender fully to the kingdom's influence.
and ask that your will would be done in us. God, once again, will your kingdom come. Just bring it, bring it into our lives. Thank you for creating us in your image. What an honor. Thank you that one day that image will be perfected. What we have now is to stand where we are right now and ask that we would move from image to image bearers and that you would do in us and through us what you desire according to your will, according to your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.